take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. This is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online at couplesynergy.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Couple Synergy. Please subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 25 years. Everybody says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach you what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of. With the partner they fell in love with. Today's episode, we are recording in a hotel room in Nebraska <laughs> right now. With a puppy. With a puppy who has been cooped up in the car for nine and a half hours and uh, is very rambunctious, has got a lot of energy. You'll hear him play with his squeaker toy in the back. In the there back it goes. Crowd. Cue the squeaker toy. Good boy. <laughs> oh. So we are driving back to the Chicagoland area to uh, do more training with our staff at the clinic and the lighthouse. But we were talking about... And see our grandbaby. <laughs> so today we were going to talk about the topic of complaints in a relationship. Okay, It is unrealistic to think that you are not going to have a complaint about your partner. And your partner having a complaint about you. However, (laughs) which I have a complaint for you, Mr. Jasper. So today's topic, we were going to be talking about complaints and that complaints happen in relationships. However, a lot of couples get stuck in complaining and they don't do anything about it. This reminds me of the, um, in the Celestine Prophecy, which is a book and a movie, done pretty well, I would say. They talk about these four ways that people steal each other's energy. And the first thing they do is they are intimidating. They use fear, you know, like fear of physical harm, fear of rejection. The second one is an interrogator who asks questions with the intention of using the information against you. The third one is aloof, where they give little or no information, but it's conflictual with their body language. So maybe their arms are crossed, and they have this scowl on their face, and you say, how, how are you? And they go, fine. And you know they're not fine. But the last one is the poor me. And the poor me is someone who complains with the intention that you should fix it. Yeah. Yeah, they, they have no intention of taking responsibility for what they have power and control over changing. It's, I'm complaining and nothing is going to change until you do something about it, right? And so in relationships, we see this as a partner complaining about their partner not doing something. And because they're not doing something, it is keeping them stuck. 
Right, because they think that they're the only way out for them is someone else doing something. Right. So they tie themselves and their partner up. I think this goes along with those dynamics of why um, people that are married are fatter. Because <laughs> we can talk each other into stuff. But when we complain and we think our partner should change so I'll feel better, then the partner also has their own complaint agenda. And people can stay stuck in this for years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it just reinforces this victim mentality, you know, that I can't do anything in my life and other people are responsible for my happiness and responsible for my change in this world. Right. If the world would change, I would be okay. And a lot of times when a couple first comes in, that's exactly where they're at. They're they're in a place where they really are so stuck in this belief that no matter what I do, my partner won't change. <laughs> you know, when you're a child, you expect that if something's going wrong, your parents are supposed to fix it. And when you're an adult, you sometimes get stuck in that same mentality that you're not the one that has power and control, that you actually, if you complain enough, your partner is going to change. This especially happens when you have a parent-child relationship with your partner, where the dynamics are such where it is imbalanced and you are either the child in the relationship or you are the parent in the relationship, and sometimes that flip-flops. Right. So when, when we see people complaining about their partner, most often at that point in that structure in the relationship, they're not complaining to their partner. Mm -mm. They're complaining to other people. <laughs> Which is horrible if you're on the side of that where, you know, you go out with another couple and they kind of lambast each other in front of you and it's very awkward and uncomfortable. And, you know, it, it grows a great deal of resentment. And you're also embarrassing your partner, but right. you're embarrassing yourself more. You're totally embarrassing yourself. And you don't even know it. Right. And it just makes you look like a fool. And you think that's going to actually motivate your partner to do anything? <laughs> it it's going to demotivate them. Yeah, totally. And it just drives a wedge mm -hmm. in between that the couple and the relationship. You know, it is a violation of what we call the... The, the inner, inner sanctum. sanctum. Yeah. And this is that safe bubble that a couple should create between the two of them that protects their relationship from ridicule or humiliation or judgment from other people. Yeah, it's like you might as well just take a picture of your partner in their underwear and show it to all your friends. Because mm -hmm. that's what you're doing emotionally. And then complain about it. Right. And then pick out all the parts that you wish were different. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's very humiliating to your to yourself, to your partner. And the worst part is it keeps you stuck in your life. Like if you really believe none of this responsibility is yours, then you can't change anything. So you're just a victim. Yeah. And if that's the case, then what are we doing here? I'm sure all of you out there that are listening have experienced a time being out with another couple, or maybe you are the couple, yeah. you know, where you guys do that, you know, or you've witnessed that. And as the, the witnessing couple, you know, it is very uncomfortable. 
It's just yeah, you, you just try to change stuff. You try, yeah, you try to blow it off, or you try to make make light of it, or make a joke, or or something to get off of that track onto something else. And it just anytime that happens, you feel the energy of the room, you know, being sucked out. It's like this this vacuum, and it's just. Oh, it, it is a very uncomfortable feeling for everyone in the room, except for the couple that's complaining. They're getting the release. They're getting the release because they've been so pent up and they're keeping all of this to themselves, feeling like a victim day in and day out. And then they try to release and they feel like they're getting validation from everybody else in the room. Even though everyone's just biting their tongue. Everyone else is biting their tongue. They're keeping their actual thoughts and feelings to themselves. And the couple who's complaining are oblivious. And they'll go around to different people in the room and say their same woe story because this is what we call the Jerry Springer effect, right? Because mm. they think they're right. And they're not. Which, by the way, I just heard Jerry Springer just passed. Oh. Yeah. So. Hmm. A man who has made an impact in this world. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. Many babies know who their daddies are because of him. Yes. So that that idea that we think we're right and we put that out there and we don't really realize how much we're embarrassing ourselves because we think we're right. But you're the person hanging out with that person. Yeah. And, you know, when I first start working with someone, I have them bring me a list of resentments. And... Especially for women, it's really interesting to hear the resentments. And there's always this part where it gets turned around. I remember we were doing this um, presentation at a college. And we were doing this exercise. And this woman said, I resent that my partner drinks too much. Mm. And the turnaround of that is, I choose to be with someone who drinks too much. Mm -hmm. And she was like, what? And, like, she was such an enabler and so trying to control right. her partner and the situation that she didn't even realize that she was totally participating and enabling for it. For sure. And, you know, for a good reason. She had a fear of abandonment, which is really normal for human beings. And instead of setting a boundary and being like, I can't be with you if you're drinking, she tried really hard to get her partner to change. And her partner didn't, so she stayed in resentment. But... In that moment, she saw her piece of it. And that's the workaround. If you're out there and you're the complainer, you want to ask yourself that question is, why am I choosing to be with someone mm -hmm. who is doing things I don't like? Or whatever your participation is, mm -hmm. yep. right? Your, your choice in that is your contribution. And that is what you have power control over changing. You do not have the power to change your partner. You don't have the power to tell them or get them or motivate them to do whatever it is that you're complaining about, you know, or to stop whatever it is that you're complaining about. What you have power and control over changing is, is allowing it or participating in it or just accepting it and not setting any boundaries for yourself not boundaries for your partner, saying boundaries for yourself and following through on what those boundaries are going to be. This is an awesome potential for change. And keep in mind, if you're going to change and you're going to change in a way that betters yourself, you are also going to create an opportunity for your partner to, to do the same. I remember this one woman I was working with and she, um, 
her her partner would have emotional relationships with all these other women. And his self-esteem was so low, he just kind of couldn't help himself. And she finally had had it, and, you know, they are trying to work on it. And, and she comes to an individual session with me, and she says, you know what happened again? I just found out that he's been going to lunch with this woman, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, what do I do about it? And interestingly, we were working on the resentment portion of, you know, helping her. And by the end, I said, you know, here's, here's the only thing you can do. You can say to him, you know, when you do that, it really hurts me. I can't stop you. I can't change you. I can't do anything different. But I want you to know that it hurts me. And the point of that is if you say that out loud, you have to own your participation in that hurt. Mm. You know, the hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me twice, shame on me. Hurt me 972 times. Shame on me. Right. 971 times. (laughs) And that's what's happening. And if you would get to a point where you would start to, like you said, set a boundary. Boundaries are not about No, not about making the other person change. Right. It's about what are you going to do when this happens. Exactly. Right. And maintaining that boundary for yourself is that you are, if you're setting an expectation for yourself, then you are going to follow through on that. So the only one you can complain to then is the mirror. Yes, exactly. Which is where your power of change is. And, you know, this this topic came up because we went out to dinner with a couple the other night. And, you know, she was, is, is wanting to do some landscaping type of work and she wants to change this and that and she wants to plant and stuff. And she went when asked like why don't you why haven't you she had to complain about her partner is that because if he did this or didn't if he had done this then i would then be I able to then i could right. right and that is not the case no. not at that at all you are not no one is forced into a situation. Well, I, I guess some people are, and if those people, <laughs> those are extreme cases here that we're not mm-hmm. talking about. But no one is forced in a situation where your happiness is predicated upon by another person, right? It is. It's not dependent on another person. You are in charge of creating your own happiness. You are in charge of moving forward in your life, and you can't hide behind somebody else. You can't make it dependent on someone else. You know, you say this, and I remember hearing this from other teachers somewhere along the way, and I remember that seeming like such a foreign concept. Yeah. Like, what do you mean, you know, like, I have any power, and if I choose it, I might potentially lose the relationship. For sure. Which is what I don't want, so I don't feel like I have power. So again, it's not an easy thing to do, and I think this is what we're talking about when you're saying when we're saying have an adult relationship and not a parent-child relationship. And first and foremost, adult relationship with yourself. Yeah, yeah. Because that's really where it starts. Is that if you can't look in the mirror and you find that confidence and you know find out who you truly are in this world as a unique human being, and that your thoughts, your beliefs have value, then. Of course, in a relationship, you're just going to melt in the relationship and give up your power because you don't believe it has value. And when we're younger, especially girls, and you can speak to the boys, but I remember a therapist asking me, what do you look for in a mate? And I just looked at him like, 
what do you mean? What do I look for? I look for someone who likes me. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't think I could have any expectations or standards because it's not like there was a whole bunch of them lined up and I got to pick, you know, and I, I remember that thought really consciously. And the way that shifted for me is I chose not to be in a relationship if it compromised who I was. If I couldn't speak my truth, if I couldn't have integrity within myself, then I had no business being in a relationship. And I, I went through that part of my process before I met you. And it was amazing to show up like that in a relationship and just say, well, this is who I am. And if it, if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. And let's not waste each other's time. And I'd never done that before in a relationship. Every relationship I've ever been in ended because he broke it off with me. And he was doing things he shouldn't be doing. And I should have broken it up with him. But I didn't have the self-esteem. I didn't have the um, self-awareness of all of that stuff. And so if you're in a relationship and you can't figure out your responsibility, your part of this, and the, the thing that you can do to figure it out is just ask yourself a really simple question. What can I choose? I can choose to be in this relationship. I could choose to change. I could choose to hold myself accountable. I can't choose for my partner to do something. I just Mm -hmm. can't. It's not my choice. It's their choice. And that's where you can find out where your, you end and your partner begins. And, you know, the fairy tale, that's not lovely in the fairy tale. The fairy tale is you're supposed to just love each other and ride off into the sunset. You shouldn't have that separation. But it's so necessary and healthy. I think for many guys in growing up, they face judgment wherever they go. Right? There's judgment from their peers, their male peers, that if they're in a relationship then and they are giving away their power or they are showing vulnerability, then they are being whipped. Right? Right. And, you know, they have judgment from parents they have judgment from the females also and and that is that's a huge fear that a lot of males have to face that fear of rejection and so oftentimes a lot of males are growing up figuring out how to show up in a relationship on their own you know from a very isolated place keeping what their their vulnerable feelings and what they really feel inside Keeping that inside, keeping it sheltered and guarded, right? And showing some other type of face on the outside. You know, whether it is trying to be the nice guy who is very amenable or being this super macho, you know, aggressive type of male. You know, there's there's very little in between, right? You know, there, there may be a third, whereas that they just completely try to blend in and not show up or, or be in the spotlight at all. You know, let's call this relationship an archetype of Jack and Jill. You know, Jack and Jill are children. And Jack is showing up wanting love and acceptance. Mm. And Jill is showing up wanting to please. And you'll see relationships last a very long time like this. And it really happens sexually because if a couple is having sex, the guy believes that everything is fine. Mm -hmm. 
And a woman often will have sex because she doesn't want him to cheat. She doesn't want him to hurt. A lot of reasons for the wrong reasons. She, she wants to be accepted. Yeah. Sure. So she's going against her integrity and doing a behavior so that they don't have to deal with uncomfortable things, which leaves both people really confused. And that's a big shift when you're talking about Jack and Jill growing up and Jack and Jill finally coming to a place where they speak their truth. Yeah. And they say, because you know inside it doesn't feel good, whether you're Jack or you're they, they get to a place where they speak their truth. And this is what we're talking about. They get to that place of complaints mm-hmm. where now it's like they can't keep it in anymore. They can't continue to just placate or go along with things. Now they have to speak their truth, which is, you know, it's, they're unhappy. But they're still in that mode of giving up their power. They're still in that mode of not taking responsibility for themselves and saying, you know, I don't like this. And so because I don't like it, I am going to change. Mm -hmm. They are still in the place of saying, I don't like this and you need to do something about it. And that is still in a victim mentality. Even though now they're speaking their truth, they're still stuck because the action doesn't happen. They don't move forward past being a victim. They're still giving their power away. The first spiritual law is always one. And what that means is what's best for you is also best for everyone else. It's best for your kids. It's best for your partner. So if you feel like a martyr in your relationship Mm. and a victim, then you actually are, you are the, the prisoner with the key. And you've locked everybody else up. And it is a really big shift to switch and start to unlock and let yourself out of prison, which means you have to take responsibility for the world you've created halfway. I, I like that visual. You are the prisoner with the key. <laughs> and how many how many people have we, we spoken to and they just they try to get us to see their view. Don't you see my partner? is imprisoning me like okay but you have the key right <laughs> like, <laughs> like you could get yourself out right but but no because you know that is i th- i think from their perspective a lot more scary right it's a lot more frightening in the fact that they have the key it's easier to say that my partner's the one doing this to me Versus I have the power to do something different. Because now with that perspective, they have to do something about it. They can't just sit back and blame outwardly. They have to actually take action. You know, we see this in the animal kingdom. If you take an elephant and you put a rope around their neck and you put that rope on a post and that rope is 15 feet long, the elephant will get to the end of the rope and and not be able to go when it's a baby. When it's a baby, right. And then it learns, that's as far as I can ever go. And then you can take that rope off, and that elephant will not move beyond those 15 feet. They also see it in fish tanks. If you put a glass down the center of a fish tank, and all the fish are on one side... After a while, you can take that glass off and they'll never go back to the other side of the tank. 
So we learn this as children. We learn this in, these are like invisible handcuffs that are placed on us as children. And we, at some point, we forget to test the boundaries. It's actually a concept called learned helplessness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and this, this was a study that was done where they had, you know, an animal in a cage and they were able to put electric shock on the floor and they were able to separate one side versus the other. And so when they would shock one side of the floor, the animal would jump to the other side of the floor and then they would shock that side, the animal would jump to the other side. But when they shocked the whole entire floor, the animal learned that there was no escape. And so because of that, the animal just took it. And even when the researchers opened the door of the cage and gave the animal a way out, the animal would not take it because they learned that there was no escape. What's the point? What's the use? What is the point and what is the use? And that's learned helplessness. And most too many times, couples create their own learned helplessness in their relationship. And they're going to complain, 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 but the door of the cage is open. They have this ability to get out. They have this ability to escape, but they don't take it because they've learned that they have no power and they're helpless. It is amazing to work with people and introduce this concept and they look at you terrified and they think you are crazy and you're speaking some foreign language and that you're, you've lost it. Like, what do you mean I could leave the cage? Right. <laughs> and and once you kind of lift the cage off them is actually kind of how it works when when we're working with someone. It's like they, they look around, they go, oh, the cage isn't there anymore. And you see that smirk on their face where they go, I get it. Like, you got me. Like, yeah. I t- totally would never in a million years believe that not only – can I get out of the cage? But the cage was invisible and not really there all along. And the freedom that they feel and the joy on their face after that little smirk of, you know, awareness is amazing. And and they will never go back in that cage, ever. Yeah, because once you have that awareness, you, you can't go back unless you choose to. Right. You know, I, I, I get it. There, There's a level of awareness that many people have to get to. Mm-hmm. Before they can break themselves free, you know, they can use that key to get themselves out. But up until then, it's, they just can't see it. No, not at all. They really believe they're locked in. Right. And there's absolutely nothing they can do. But I do believe they feel it. Sure. Right? There is a feeling inside that they know this is not right. Mm -hmm. It's not supposed to feel this way. And there's something different. And that's what really is fueling them to complain. I would say they knew that as children when it was first happening to begin with. And they stopped believing in that part of themselves that's a truth. And once they realized, hey, I was right all along. When I was upset about something and my parents told me I had no right to feel that way and I had no choice because they were feeding me and putting a roof over my head and they loved me and I believe them, but that was their limitations. And then when you realize you've grown beyond the limitations that they placed for you and needed to, cause you were a child, it's like this whole world opens up and it's amazing, but it does require personal responsibility, which is also difficult. Yes, it is. So we want to thank you for joining us today and joining uh, our puppy also. <laughs> 
on on our episode today in couple He's synergy. Waiting patiently now. <laughs> our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships, and this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. I hope you enjoyed our topic today of complaints in a relationship, and please let us know if you have any other suggestions on topics you know that you'd like to hear more about. As the squeaker of our puppy goes off, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com if you have comments or questions or topic suggestions. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the home study course, the Couples Weekend Enhancement, which we're not really married to that word yet, but... Weekend Enhancement, and our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple. You can book a consult with Gene and I just by going online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Gene Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.